Hello and welcome to Real Time Strategy, a podcast all about the gaming industry. I'm one your host, Sam Mosier, joined once again, and it feels so sweet, by my co-host, Caitlin Rudwing, who was off last week. We missed her dearly. How are you doing today? I'm good. I forgot I wasn't on the last episode because I was just sitting here and I was like, it's been so long, even though I just <laughs> saw you. <laughs> That's true, uh, because we have recently been reunited, we being the Triple Point crew, and one of those lovely Triple Point people are joining us this week. That is for the second time Triple Point account executive in Ohio State superfan, Zach Varacek. Zach, how are you doing? Oh, man. Thank you for the lovely introduction, Sam. I'm doing good. I'm happy you shouted out my Buckeyes. <laughs> Very happy that they're in the playoffs, and I have come correct with my dressing here. I have a nice Ohio State hat on to go with my Ohio State background decoration. So feeling good about all the things, though, yes. Yeah, it's a good occasion to be feeling good. As Caitlin mentioned, uh, we Triple Pointers have recently been reunited. We all went to L.A. for some holiday festivities. We did a holiday party. And for the sake of this episode, we attended the Game Awards. Uh, so only We only attended for the yeah. podcast. <laughs> On that location, just for you guys, <laughs> paid expense trip for real time strategy. And it was, I would I mean, to preview my thoughts, I would say it was worth it. It was quite the show. I agree. So this week we are talking about the game awards. The three of us attended. It was our first time, all three of us going. And so we're here to give you a firsthand account of the awards and announcements. But first, one quick programming note. The holiday season is almost here. So real time strategy will be on break soon. Uh, this is our last episode of 2022, but don't worry. We'll be back in 2023. So let's not waste any time. We've all been on the show before. Uh, everyone knows who we are. Let's talk about the Game Awards. Uh, Zach, Caitlin, me, Sam, we're in the audience. We were in the main orchestral area on the left side. Good seating, good time. Uh, Caitlin, Zach, what is your Game Awards history? Have you watched it from home? Like, did you have certain expectations versus reality based on what you had, you know, your past Game Awards experiences had been? Yeah, I. I'll go first. I have only been watching. This is my first time attending. I have been watching, I want to say for maybe only like four years, possibly. I actually didn't even know about it until I really started like looking into the games industry when I realized like, duh, the games industry is a thing. <laughs> I could potentially work in it. Let me see what it's all about. And then I realized like discovered the game awards really loved it the first time I saw it. And so ever since then, yes, I live stream it at home. Um, I text my brothers or if we're in the same house, I'm yelling at them and I'm like, oh my God, this thing was announced. Come watch. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun for me. I'm really glad that I got to go for the first time. And yeah, that is my history with Game Awards. What about you, Zach? Are you a longtime watcher, viewer? Uh, yeah, pretty similar to Caitlin. I'd say the past four or five years I've been watching just as a fan. I do have like fond random memory that popped in. It was like one year. It was just me and my brother. Like I couldn't figure out how to get it to. Sh it was like early on. It was only streaming on a few platforms. So I like got my laptop and like plugged it into the TV in our bedroom. And me and my brother were just freaking out about it. And I, I think one of the first years they did the movie theater activation as mm. well. One of the, oh. the only theater in Ohio was um the suburban movie theater in our 
suburb of Columbus, Ohio. So I don't think we ended up getting tickets, but we were just so super psyched to see like, oh my gosh, the Video Game Awards is in a movie theater. Um, so yeah, long way from there. And then being able to see it in person was, uh, of course, amazing. Is a quick side tangent related to that. I was reading, and I would recommend anybody listening who you know has any passing interest in the Game Awards, The Ringer did a profile on Jeff Keighley and his history of putting on the show and kind of the thoughts on the state of the awards show as it is right now. Uh, Jeff Keighley's parents either were or currently still are IMAX executives. Uh, So that kind of explains his ties and probably love for the theatrical experience, much like me and Caitlin. We love the theatrical (laughs) experience and probably why he has been putting the Game Awards and even like Summer Game Fest and stuff in movie theaters. I did not know that. I thought, I mean, that makes sense. And I was like, oh, the movie, the movie theaters needed help. I think it started during the pandemic. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this feels like a good pairing. And I tried to go, but there wasn't any in Michigan or, yeah, I don't think there was any in Michigan because I, I guess I could have gone to Ohio, but I really didn't want to do that. So my history with the Game Awards, (laughs) I, I run deep. I run deep with the Game Awards all the way back to when they were the Spike Video Game Awards. Uh, oh, still man. hosted by Jeff Keighley. I can't remember the first one I watched. Uh, I do. <laughs> this says a lot about me. It would always conflict because it would be the like the second Thursday of December, uh, um, and that always corresponded with this big Christmas theatrical performance by Town put on, and I would be in it. And some sometimes you either performed Thursday and Saturday or Friday and Sunday. And I always wanted to do Friday and Sunday because then I could be at home and watch the Game Awards. <laughs> <laughs> um, specifically because the first one I remember watching, I think this would have been maybe 2011, uh, was when – yeah, it would have been 2011 because Uncharted 3 came out that November – there was like a newspaper found in it where they were, you know, there was a, an outbreak happening and there was a bunch of teasing going on for this big first party Sony game. And it was going to be revealed at the Game Awards. And I tune in and sure enough, it's Naughty Dog's reveal of The Last of Us. I remember that was a very tangible moment. I was like, oh, like this award show is a big deal. It pulls really big announcements from major players. And so ever since then, I've tried to watch, if not, you know, catch up uh, the day after. So I remember when he went independent with it. It was no longer the Spike Video Game Awards. It was just the Game Awards in 2014. That was when No Man's Sky was revealed. I remember that being, like, pretty mind-blowing and, of course, a little infamous now based on how that game launched versus, you know, expectations versus reality. Uh, But, like, Phantom Pain was revealed, I think, the next year, and that ended up being a secret Metal Gear Solid game. I could go on and on. I'm a big (laughs) fan of the show. The announcements are great. And bringing us now to our, you know, our year 2022 uh, I think the announcements are stronger than ever. Uh, so, Zach, Caitlin, what did you think of the in-person experience? Uh, what was it like being in the Microsoft Theater? Is this something fun to watch in person? Oh, man. Okay, I'll go first. I do think the spectacle is at a whole other level on being in person. I mean, I'm sure it's very easy for anyone to say that, but but really just feeling the energy kind of seeing the audience's live reaction to the various moments, which every year the Game Awards has its moments, and this one surely did have some of its own as well. Um, and, you know, just things like the the God of War um, musical performance or even the uh, Diablo 4 Halsey performance, being able to feed off the energy of the crowd in those moments was wonderful and a, a whole different level um, as opposed to watching it at home. Yeah, I... 
I agree. Um, I don't know. There's just like an energy when you're there in person that you don't get when you're watching it at home. Um, I'd say you're not losing out if you're watching it at home. Like we're not seeing anything more than what you're seeing at home, which I think is a good thing. Um, it doesn't feel this doesn't feel um, like it's excluding the the games industry and community. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I I think something that they could do to like make the in-person experience a little better is maybe like having more things outside the event. Like, you know how like Diablo kind of had their little activation and there was like one other little booth. I could see that expanding in like future years. But honestly, other than that, like the in-person experience is just, yeah, it's just like attending an award show and that you see online. And you make a good point about the outside stuff because it was cool seeing the, uh, forgive me, I've played Diablo 3, but I, I don't know the lore that well. I'm going to call them cultists uh, in costume outside the uh, theater. That was a cool kind of stage setting moment for like, ooh, like we're here for some real theatrics. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope in the future, I mean, uh, you know, Missouri boy here, like LA is very lovely in December. Like you can totally put stuff outside the Microsoft theater, like during the day, if you know, if that was something you're interested in. So uh, that's definitely something worth keeping in mind. And, and Caitlin, you're exactly right that, you know, I've greatly enjoyed my years of watching the Game Awards at home. It, it has in, been my own way, my nerd Super Bowl, like in college, all four that's years the in best a row. Way to describe it. Oh, like, my goodness. <laughs> my group of like friends would be like five or six of us packed in the smallest college living room, you know, eating, ordering pizza, like drinking some beer, like watching the Game Awards. Like it was the real thing but in person um it just has that different kind of energy it was fun seeing stray win best debut indie game and mm -hmm. hearing yes. several people behind us chant stray to stray to <laughs> like which I think alex and i almost like chance. launched out of our chairs when stray <laughs> won we were so excited i think i said throughout the entire night that my one gripe was i wanted stray to just sweep house <laughs> Just for, I think I even told some people that I wanted to adopt a cat as soon as I got home. Spoiler, I have not done that. I don't think this apartment allows for cats, but I'm definitely considering it a little more now. Yeah, do it anyways. They barely ever <laughs> I've hidden cats before. I'm not hiding my cat now, but um, which I, I honestly wish this was a video podcast because I could turn my camera around. She is sitting, <laughs> staring right out into the like center of my apartment complex. She watches all. <laughs> amazing i will say too and not to jump the gun on a future topic but i feel like being in person kind of messed with my whole like perspective of the pacing of the show it just flew by in person i was like oh and we're done now it was a little bit of a shorter show but we can get into that later more if you want but quick oh, for sure we'll be definitely talking about the pacing and the announcements a few other things just about like the in-person production of it all versus watching at home um you know, you get certain things in person that you don't get at home and vice versa, starting with the in-person experience. Like, uh, it was cool just from a nerdy, like, stage production point of view, getting to see things get prepped before they're shown live on air. Like, during the commercial break, we got to see the Diablo people come up on stage and, like, wait in the wings. And mm -hmm. so, like, I was like, oh, when we come back from commercial break, something Diablo 4 is happening. Uh, and it you know, is even cooler in person because I think the Halsey surprise hit even harder um, because, it, you know, if you're watching at home, you just come back from commercial, 
and the Diablo cultists are there. And then like a few seconds later, Halsey's there. Whereas we like had a couple minutes of waiting and then the surprise happens. So I liked that. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about it. I was admittedly like checking Twitter throughout the show too, just seeing what everyone's live reactions were. So I didn't catch as much as that, but good point. One other live in-person thing that you can't get at home. And I, I, I don't want to say this. I don't want to spoil the magic uh, to all the Muppets fans out there. So maybe skip 30 seconds ahead if you're a huge Muppets fanatic. But I got to see animals puppeteer. Uh, like on Jeff's little platform, I saw the guy, you know, puppeting him and making some very good video game jokes. He knew his audience very well. So as a huge <laughs> Muppets fan, I got a kick out of that. You're ruining Christmas, not just kidding, <laughs> or the Muppets uh, like spectacle. But I will say too, like just being able to see him I wasn't sure when the camera was on him the whole time, but just seeing him react throughout parts of the show was very, very funny. Like, even though there was the puppeteer you saw, Animal was very much an active participant within <laughs> the show. One final at-home versus in-person thing I want to bring up is the orchestra. Um, mm. Because, of course, in a concert hall, or the Microsoft Theater as we were, uh, I, I feel like the dynamics of the performance is a lot more noticeable and easier to pick out. Uh, like, the drummer was going hard, and it was you know it was a sensory experience you could feel it uh especially during like the god of war very big climactic drumming moments uh so i i did enjoy from a sound design point of view it was obviously just better in person versus like kind of the condensing that happens when you stream something at home um but i feel like we got generally the same experience everybody did at home minus uh the orchestral performance because you know i was just admiring it in full not really watching the way the you know the at-home camera crew was framing it uh yeah. so much so that when i watched it the day after i because I, I did skim a lot of it again because i wanted to relive the hype on friday uh that all the camera loved understandably flute guy flute guy yeah <laughs> i didn't realize why flute guy was trending on twitter that night and I was like, what is happening? And I watched that clip when we were like in that bar and I was like, no sound. And I was like, oh, this guy is going ham. Can the ringer do a profile on him too? <laughs> They're Jeff Keeley. They, they have. I, oh, someone did interview I think him. Screen was Rant. It? I saw Screen Rant did a story about Flute was Guy. It screen Rant? Okay. Yeah, I'm just going to search Flute Guy. We I apologize that I don't Flute actually guy. know his name. Yeah, here I, I have it linked in our notes here. Uh, this comes from Jason Hunt at Screen Rant. The Game Awards flute player thanks fans after performance goes viral. Uh, Pedro, es uh, oh, forgive my pronunciation. Eustache? Eustache? Yeah. I'm thinking Eustache. Eustache? Uh, Probably Eustache. E-U-S-T-A-C-H-E. We apologize, but we love you, Pedro. Yes. yes, thank you for your work for all the gamers out there. He enraptured viewers with his passionate performance. He's incredibly thankful for the enormous response. A short and warm thank you was posted on his Twitter account dedicated to the positive reactions his performance earned across many social media platforms. His website, pedroflute.com, uh, details the many impressive roles in film scores the accomplished woodwind player has contributed to, including a newly released single and tour dates for Hans Zimmer Live. Um, so yeah, thanks, Flute Guy. And yeah. uh, so that was really the only thing I think I missed out on being in person. Um, and the Steam decks. Oh, yes. We missed out on our chance. I mean, I have a Steam deck. We, but we missed out on our okay. chance. Okay. <laughs> winning a Steam deck by watching the Game Awards live on Twitch. Which, thank be... you, Christopher Judge, for the extra 10 Steam decks <laughs> that went out to people. 
I would be lying if there wasn't a part of me that thought about downloading the Steam app on my phone and just streaming it from my pocket um, <laughs> when we were there. But it definitely would have killed my phone. Uh, what was so. there was like Milf Hunter or somebody won <laughs> a Steam Deck? Was that what his name username? Yeah. Was? Shout out Steam user Milf Hunter for winning a Steam Deck. <laughs> and that was like one of the he was like within the first 15 minutes. It was like after we cut to commercial after the Bayonetta, which was the first block of reveals, I checked Twitter and I, that was that was capped. So uh, shout out to all the Steam Deck winners out there. I'm very jealous. Amazing. That's all I have to say about that. It was, it was a really cool activation. Shout out to all the winners. Very happy for you all. So Zach touched on something I want to bring up and about the in-person experience and kind of this larger topic of of the game awards and its length i mean award shows in general are long the oscars is usually three plus hours i could go on pretty much all of them are um but the game awards you know has its own critics who think that it, it can run a little long uh this year counting the pre-show tour till the end ran about three and a half hours what did you all think of that in person was that too much do you feel it's just right what is the ideal length of the game awards I think people are going to hate me when I say that felt like the perfect amount of time. Like I keep seeing people say they want it to be shorter or they, but like you have to be able to make money to put on the game awards, which means you have to have slots for companies to pay you to put their trailers like in announcements during the show. That's what pays it. We don't have commercials. So instead of commercials, you get announcements. I don't know, three hours, just it felt like the perfect time. It was like right near the end where I was like, okay, yeah, now I have to pee. <laughs> and now I need to get up and move. Um, and I know Jeff Keighley wanted it to be two and a half. I feel like that's a good time to aim for with allowing extra time for speeches, um, people going up on stage and talking about Bill Clinton. Yeah. Um, and any other technicalities that may happen during the run of an award show. So I don't know. That's my take. I know a ton of people are like very upset with how long it is. I think because I've been watching award shows for so many years, like I, I watch all the movie award circuit to me, the three hours was honestly short. Yeah. I, I mean, like I said earlier, being in person, just, it flew by for me, but just speaking to years past plus this year as well, I think three hours is also fine. And also compared to the other award shows, instead of commercials, we get more game reveals. You know, even though, you know, a good maybe some of the games are not to your particular tastes or you're not as excited for that as you are for, uh, you know, the next Final Fantasy, but just being able to be exposed to all these different things, um, I don't think it's a bad thing. Uh, you know, like four hours plus, yeah, that'd be sort of an issue. People would have to get up and use the restroom in that time. <laughs> You'd have to be a, an Olympian to be able to hold it that long, in my humble <laughs> opinion. Um, but yeah, just I think three hours is an appropriate time. There's also the fact that there's these musical performances that suck up a lot of time. Um, and I think there was an article about that as well. I, I can't remember who penned it or which outlet, but there's been discussions about, the, the you know, the use of music performances in this award show. Um, I'm particularly a fan. I think it makes the show feel more proper. I'm mm -hmm. going to add another layer to really sell. That's what this show's about, right? Is celebrating games. Um, so I think a three hour long celebration with some music in there and some extra world premieres that you wouldn't normally get. I don't think it's a bad thing. We get more to, we, we're all feasting, you know? Right. And obviously 
people are fans of the orchestra because as Jeff Keighley announced, the Hollywood Bowl Orchestra will perform music from new and classic games in LA next summer at the um yeah, at the Hollywood Bowl Amphitheater. And I'm sure that will sell out. Yeah. I for one am a huge fan of the annual tradition of the Game of the Year medley, um, <laughs> where Jeff's orchestra plays you know, a signature piece from all of the nominees. I do think this year the selection, because those soundtracks are pretty diverse, but I think the the songs chosen this year were a little similar. Um, it was not as easy to, you know, pick out a, a game like if I were closing my eyes as, as years passed. But regardless, really like that. And I think that is like almost an essential part of the Game Awards, in my opinion. Like Zach said, I think it's a class act. And however, one thing this year lost that a lot of previous years have had are tangential or even not really gaming related performances like don't get me wrong you're very it's gonna be hard to find a weezer fan as big as me but like i didn't need them performing they've performed at the game awards before and like you know leave them at home sorry rivers um same thing with like i know churches has performed imagine dragons a lot of these bands i'm a fan of but like they feel out of place at the game awards whereas like if you're getting this orchestra or even like last year where the cuphead orchestra played um pieces from the delicious last course and then i think a few years before that um the uh a band was playing music from doom that seems a lot more fitting than these kind of like you know weird bands that maybe wrote an original song for a game or something so Are i you think fine? Hosier and Halsey weird bands. Oh shoot, I forgot about Hosier. I was um, about to bring that up again. I like, thank you. This, I feel so I'm early insulted. in the show. <laughs> Halsey's my, performance wasn't very long in her defense no. or their yeah. defense. Sorry. My, my thing about those two performances is that these were songs that you know tied directly into the game, so it makes it makes sense and it felt natural. Yes, uh, as well as the medley, uh, which is tradition. Um, so I have no problem with that, and, and I would love to see more of it. Talking about pacing, I, I will say the same thing I say for any piece of media. Uh, like tomorrow night, I'm seeing the, the 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 Thursday night premiere of Avatar: The Way of Water, uh, and and that movie I believe is three hours and ten minutes, give or take. Uh, with the trailers, that will be longer than I sat in the theater for the Game Awards. Um, and I mean, I don't know what my thoughts are on the movie yet, um, but like, I don't mind a long movie as long as it's paced well. And I can say the same thing for the Game Awards. I think. Previous years that have been pretty much as long as this year's have felt longer. Um, and of course, I will credit some of that to the fun of being there in person. But I also want to, you know, give credit to Jeff. I think this was the best paced game awards so far. Um, I feel like oftentimes the reveals, which in a lot of ways is what many people are tuning into, are front loaded. Um, within the first hour, you get a lot of the biggest headlines out of the game awards. And near the back half or more updates on ongoing games or yada, yada, yada. Whereas if you stuck around to the end this year, you got a new game from From Software, a release date for Final Fantasy 16, an appearance from Crash Bandicoot. Like, and, and in the middle, there was stuff too. Like, I feel like better than ever, like, he kept your interest. You know, there might, like you said, Zach, there might have been a game that didn't interest you, but probably did somebody else. But more than likely or not, if you're watching the Game Wars, the next game is going to be something that did. So I got to give, I think, three to three and a half hours, counting the pre-show again, um, is fine if if you paced out in the way that he did this year. I agree. So should we talk about our favorite 
announcements since Ooh, they were so, so many. perfectly paced throughout. Um, my list is so long, so someone else can start, and then hopefully <laughs> my list will be shorter. I will kick us off because it's a relatively uh, short list of ones that were really like my favorites, and it's obviously completely biased to the IPs I like, the types of games I like. So without further ado, <laughs> um, in no particular order, the first one that uh, really lit my eyes up was the Transformers Reactive. Um, because the trailer, I, I was watching it, and this does not feel like a Transformers game. I saw the um, Exo kind of suits on the soldiers. I'm like, this, this can't be like a Call of Duty Advanced Warfare sort of thing, could it? Um, I then think I saw the Transformers. The, yeah, when oh, the yeah. Transformers name showed up on screen, I feel like the entire theater had that same reaction. I don't think any <laughs> of us expected that to be a Transformers game. Yeah, so I'm interested to see what the actual game is. You know, wasn't didn't see much gameplay um, within that one. So that was one. Um, I do have to say, uh, the Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It was pretty uh, heavily expected going in, but just seeing you know Cal Kestis himself be up on stage and, and talking about it and seeing that trailer seems like it's going to be a pretty gritty take um, for the sequel, which I'm uh, stoked for. So. And then the last two, real quick, uh, in rapid order, the crime boss, Rocky City, mm. just looks so yes. fun. It's just the trailer was punchy, and the plethora of celebrities um, and the Michael Madsen uh, just presentation of it was wonderful. And I am intrigued to see what they do there. It just seems like a really fun game. Uh, and then last but not least, Crash Team Rumble. I've had many, many discussions with Sam about this. <laughs> Not exactly what I was expecting. I, for some reason, I thought it was going to be like a reboot of Crash Bash from like the PS2 oh. days. Um, but it doesn't seem to be that. And I'm a huge Crash Bandicoot fan, and I'm excited to see what it is. So they could have given me anything, I feel like, uh, and I would have been happy. But I was happy with that one. It was a cool presentation. I loved seeing him like drop from the ceiling. Uh, yep. That that like that was a mouth like a gape like jaw on the floor <laughs> moment. I was like, crash is crash is coming from the ceiling. He's literally crashing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh shout out to Crime Boss and uh Jedi Survivor. Um I think you know the game awards is this fusion of of you know Hollywood talent and of course the video game industry with it being in LA and you know Jeff attracting a lot of big names to present and stuff. So it's cool when the games directly tie into that celebrity talent, whether it's Cameron Monaghan, uh, you know, the star of the Star Wars Jedi games, or Michael Madsen coming out for uh Crime Boss, and then we getting all these other celebrity cameos in the trailer. I thought that was like a very well done and like fitting use of these celebrity names. Absolutely. We also had um, Idris Elba in the oh, Cyberpunk yes. expansion. There was so much. And honestly, so I did write that down on my list, but I, there's like an asterisk with it. I have not played Cyberpunk. I didn't have an interest when it came out. However, I did just buy it. I know they've done so many updates and expansions, and I've heard some pretty good things. I got it half off on Steam, like Black Friday sale. Um, so I do plan on playing that. I will update here once I've played it just to like let you know what I think. But that expansion trailer had me so hooked, especially it with Idris Elba. And I was like, I want to play this. So I need to start playing Cyberpunk. Right, right. Yeah, just seeing like that kind of that whole game sort of bounce back in the kind of eyes of fans and other consumers was awesome. And having the Idris Elba in the expansion is 
it's just an awesome way to kick off sort of the next chapter of that game. So excited yeah. to see more from that. Also, I'm so I'm gonna list off everyone who was in that crime boss uh Rocky <laughs> City because it was amazing. It was yeah, you've said Michael Madsen, Chuck Norris is he's a yes. sheriff. Um Danny Trejo is the dragon. Uh Danny Glover, amazing. And they all look so much like themselves in real life. Like it's just it's very cool. Uh Michael Rooker, love to see him. Um Kiss Kim Bassinger. Bassinger? Basinger? Basing Basinger. There we go. I knew I was saying her name wrong. And then Vanilla Ice. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and Damien uh, Poitier, who he played Avery Johnson in the Master Chief Collection. Oh, so people will, yes, in the Halo 2 anniversary. So people who played that game will recognize him. But yeah, that was what a, it was just hit after hit with that trailer. Absolutely. Caitlin, what were some of your other favorites? Some of my other favorites. I this is like probably my favorite game awards because I'm getting games from like creators of my favorite games or sequels. So to start off, Hades 2. I wasn't even hoping for a sequel to Hades because Supergiant Games has not made a sequel to their games before. I was looking forward to their next game, whenever that was gonna be. When the Hades soundtrack came on, I think I gripped the people who were sitting next to me for dear life, like sticking my hands in their arms. Uh, but I don't know. That looked really cool. I loved Hades. It was my favorite game of 2019. I think it's the year that came out on the Switch. I think it was 2018 was early access. Um, and I mean, I, I restarted it multiple times and have put hundreds of hours in that game. But I'm looking forward to exploring more of the underworld, kind of seeing how they weave the narrative of Zagreus having a sister. Because if those who have played the first game probably remember, Zagreus thinks he's an only child. He even asks his mom about it at some point if she plans to have other children. I can't remember what her answer is, but he like his reaction is like, no, don't have another kid. Like he does not want a sibling. So it's it'll be interesting to see how they weave that into the storyline um how many years in the future is this if it is in the future who knows i have faith it looked amazing so that was my most excited game and then we finally got to see ken levine's next game which is judas so ken levine's creator of bioshock i love bioshock i love that series I always wanted another sequel, but honestly, I think this might even be better because, um, what is it? Ghost Story Games is the, they're making the game. It's heavily inspired by Bioshock, so it's very narrative, um, first-person shooter kind of game. And But it's a whole new world, new lore, but it has that Bioshock feel. Like when you watch the trailer, at first I almost thought it was Bioshock. That the trailer looked like, crazy, I yeah. have to say. Like, just that uh, shot of, like, floating through space with, like, the purple in the background. I don't know. It, it was a feast for the eyes, especially in person. Yeah. Yeah, shooting the fire out of, like, the like the, the powers of the left hand, whether it's the yeah. fire or the electricity. I was like, oh, this is Bioshock. and That's a and, game like, I want to play. Yeah, oh, yeah, and we haven't had a Bioshock game since 2013. Like, it's due time. It definitely. And I they've been so tight-lipped about what ghost story games has been making and they really went into quiet mode like 
at least this year, they haven't said anything about their next game or if their first game, correct? Yeah, this, this, is, this is their first, yeah. This is their first game, yep. Um, so I'm surprised that we got a, like a full trailer. It wasn't just like a cinematic trailer. It was, at least I believe it showed gameplay. Yeah, and Jeff even said after that he's like, he visited the office and played several hours. Like, the game is real. I mean, to spoil my, this was my favorite reveal. Um, mostly just because, like you said, like, to be honest, like, I, there was a part of me that kind of just think we would would never see, like, the Ghost Story Games title, uh, just because he's been working on it for so long. So mm -hmm. to see not just, like, it, but like you said, like, a full, you know, trailer, gameplay, in-engine footage, very intriguing. I'm excited for whatever the story brings. Just seeing that logo, I, I mean, anybody... Uh, sitting next to me at the award show, forgive the expletives that came out of my mouth, but like <laughs> I, I was like, oh my, it's real, like. <laughs> and from a legendary creator, nonetheless. Yes, exactly. so it's exciting yeah. to see him continuing to create, uh, you know, new things. Agreed. Um, oh, I will. Okay, shout out to Vampire Survivors. Mm. This was mm. a small trailer, I think. Like, I think it was on one of the side projections where they were like, "Oh, Vampire Survivors has come to mobile." And I came down with a cold after the Game Awards and I was laying in bed <laughs> and I was like, what am I going to do? And I was like, I'm going to download Vampire Survivors or I'm going to play it. I think I downloaded it while we were sitting there in the Microsoft Theater. It is so much fun. Have either of you played it? No, I, I have it in my Steam library. I haven't played yet. Play it. The hype is real. It is addicting and chaotic and very like 90s aesthetic, but just very... I don't know. There's a lot of like strategy involved. You get to kind of pick the play style that you want to play based on the character that you pick. There's level up abilities. Um, I don't, I just don't know what it is. It's so addicting. And it's Man. all I've done for like several days now. Is it more addicting than Marvel Snap? Because I still can't get enough <laughs> yes. of that game. Wow. Yes, because, well, actually, hmm. That's a tough question because Marvel Snap games are so quick that I'll pick so this it up. Is a whole different the beast. Vampire Survivor rounds, they can be quick if you die soon, or they could last like an hour, it feels like. So wow. a match can go a lot longer. And then like you're like, oh, you're like, I was doing so well. So you want to start again. So you I have put more hours into it than I think Marvel Snap, even though I probably played more rounds of Marvel Snap interesting interesting okay it's on my short list for sure it just seems like that core gameplay loop is yeah, very satisfying I've, I've really been getting into mobile games now i think marvel snap like ignited it actually and i've been playing zach yeah the warcraft arclight rumble which it's not oh, out, but we're in yes. beta yes um i still play that I, oh really yeah i have a lot of fun with that and then evermerge which is one of our clients games by big fish games that i help with and i was like you know what i haven't played a match three game in so long and i was like i'm just curious playing it i'm addicted i've spent money on it <laughs> i didn't have much to do in bed the past few days <laughs> other than like sneeze and play mobile games because i don't have my tv set up in my room <laughs> 
Oh, that makes sense. That makes oh my sense. Gosh. Now it all back. comes together. <laughs> yeah. Well, while you're talking about the Vampire Survivors uh, mobile announcement, like I just again returning to the pacing. Shout out to the pre-show, which admittedly I've I've often skipped in years past, but I would say like you missed out if you skipped it this year between the mm -hmm. Castlevania DLC for Dead Cells, Vampire Survivors coming to mobile. Uh, we got a release date for Street Fighter Six. An amazing look at that cinematic pixel art game replaced um returnals coming to pc and then that puzzle game that looks like super liminal mixed with the witness viewfinder oh like, i forgot about that game it was all within 30 minutes i was like oh, I oh my gosh these are main totally show worthy stuff when was Earthblade? So I, I wrote, I had, I was, if anybody sat next to me, you saw me taking notes. Uh, that took place in the first kind of hour. It, it was, was after okay. the Jedi Survivor gameplay reveal. Okay. But I before Death if Stranding that was, 2. If that was in the pre show. Another game I'm looking forward to by the OK game, extremely OK games, greater of uh, Celeste. So it, as yeah. I said earlier, it looks, it'll probably look and feel like Celeste, but we'll probably assuming a different kind of story angle and, different challenges to overcome and to highlight like the games we've named here like you know jedi survivor we talked about um we talked about you know crash team rumble crime boss you know armored core i mentioned uh but like alongside it's cool that we're equally throwing in indie titles like earthblade or you know Hades 2 is, is like a sequel to a, an indie blockbuster if there ever was mm -hmm. one. But like, you know, Judas is from a new studio. Yeah, it's Ken Levine. All this goes to say is, is like, it was cool to see the, the playing field be very level at the Game Awards, that it opened with titles like Hades 2 and Judas. And then in the midpoint is where we got like a Sony exclusive like Death Stranding 2. And it's the end where we saw Final Fantasy 16. Like, again, like I thought throughout it was just pleasant surprise top to bottom. It didn't feel like anything got priority by being at the top or priority by being at the bottom like you know again props to the pacing this year as yeah. i said before we're all feasting this yes day. it was a great show we are there was lots of great inclusions but i feel like there were a lot of ex a lot of um companies excluded from mm. not a lot but maybe one important one that was all that was missing during the game show i just word vomited through that sentence um all to say it xbox was not at this year's game awards and i thought that was very surprising but maybe i shouldn't have found it surprising so do, are you should you not find it surprising because a xbox i mean they have things coming out but i mean as many people have noted it's been a very quiet year from the xbox front they didn't have a major first party release yes. this year and Redfall, Starfield, Forza Motorsport still don't have dates. So I guess there is a world where if they were going to do anything, it would have been cool to get release dates for any of those. Or are you not surprised because is our expectations not there yet that everybody needs to participate at the Game Awards? Oh, I was thinking the FTC news that went mm, live that same fair. day. I don't think they had anything planned and it got pulled because of the run of show. I generally think they were expecting probably the FTC thing to happen and are probably trying to keep it cool of not announcing A, new exclusives, or B, games that are exclusives and talking about it at a time when the government is looking at them and to not create a monopoly. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, you made some very good points of like that expectation. It's not needed, I think, for a lot of the studios that already have such a high reputation because Xbox or PlayStation can have their own showcases and a lot of people most people are going to tune in who are going to buy those games um so i think for me xbox i think the ftc paired with they're probably not ready to give release dates so is it even worth showing a little bit more at it like paying a bunch of money when they could just put on their own game showcase later on when they have more to share i think that makes more sense um I I was a little surprised that the Spider-Man 2 wasn't there. I know Zach wants to talk about that, and I know <laughs> we were kind of expecting it to maybe go live. Was it yesterday with the Across the Universe or Across the Spider-Verse trailer? And it wasn't. I know. Well, I'm not going to waste the rest of the podcast rambling about this, but I will touch on a few points kind of bringing it all together. So I brought this up to Sam before the show, but it seems like this, this uh, situation we're in is somewhat similar to E3 a few years back where everyone at, at one point in time kind of expected all the companies, no matter if you're Xbox, PlayStation or whoever, to put all your big announcements in the E3 show itself. Um, but now that's kind of like spread apart in the summer. It's almost like a whole season, a month and a half of different game showcases, publisher showcases, even Gamescom opening night live now kind of take some of those announcements away from E3 proper. And perhaps that could be something that is happening with the Game Awards itself, where companies are kind of not putting all their, you know, eggs in one basket there. And they're sort of having their own showcases near and around um xbox was a bit surprising not to see you know an update on even starfield which is the one big one i'm looking forward to um but also with spider-man as well uh you know i thought not seeing spider-man at the show after i really was hoping and sort of expecting it to be there um and then seeing sort of like rumblings on twitter and then this across the spider-verse uh trailer um but no there there was Insomniac Spider-Man in that trailer. Spoiler for that trailer, excuse me. Um, but no Spider-Man 2, the game, trailer yet. So maybe it's still coming, um, but we'll see. It, it was interesting to see for sure. Yeah, I could see them doing a showcase just on that game. It It's so popular that, I, again, they don't need the Game Awards. I don't know. It's an interesting thought of like, Okay, then who does need the Game Awards? Because um, it's not always just about the need for amplification. But, I mean, it is a great showcase to be at if you can afford it. Yes, Zach uh, has his quick, hand raised. <laughs> sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I think I do have to go. Clients, callings are happy, or beckoning my name. So I will bow it a little early this time. Thank you for joining us this week, Zach. Thank you for having me. Okay. Well... Now it is just Caitlin and I, and proceeding with our Game Awards discussion, it's an interesting thing because when you look at the, you know, continuing this conversation of who participates in the Game Awards, who needs to participate in the Game Awards, should everyone participate in the Game Awards? Because when you look at the reveals this year, we had participation from just going in chronological order, like Capcom with Street Fighter VI, Nintendo with Bayonetta Origins and the Fire Emblem Engage. We had Warner Brothers Games with Suicide Squad, EA with Jedi Survivor, and that tease of that kind of magic shooter, Immortals of Avium. 
Sony was there with Death Stranding 2 and DLC for Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, Bandai Namco was there with Blue Protocol and Ar- uh, Armored Core 6. Square Enix, like... Square Enix was out. I'll finish my thoughts. Square Enix was with Final Fantasy 16 and Forspoken. My point just being that, like, pretty much, I mean, minus Bethesda and Microsoft and Ubisoft, like, pretty much all of Activision was there with Diablo um, 4, like, and Crash Team Rumble. Like, a lot of the names were there. And I don't know whether that's a good thing, but it's, like, an observation. And, and I think that's why it leads to headlines like, you know, IGN publishing an editorial that read, uh, Xbox's Game Awards no-show is a slap to the face to players. Uh, Kotaku published a story about how everybody on the internet, like, console warriors mad, sat at Xbox's latest awards no-show. As even an Xbox player myself, I think that's a little dramatic. But like, It's a little clickbaity. It is a little clickbaity, but, like, I don't know. Is, is that the sentiment? Like, is everybody expected to be at the Game Awards in some form or fashion? I did have friends who were very upset. I won't name them. <laughs> but who were very upset that Xbox was not at the showcase this year. They were really expecting updates on Starfield, um, Fable. Oh, yeah. Um, Perfect Dark was there two years ago. Yes. I was trying to think of when they were last there for that. Um, there's another one and I'm drawing to blank, drawing to blank on what that game was, but Redfall. yeah, they were, yes, Redfall. They were just were like very surprised and maybe it's cause being in person, I just was like overwhelmed with the number of announcements and they were great announcements to me that I, I almost didn't realize it until someone brought it up and I was like, oh, you're right. Xbox wasn't there. Like it didn't feel like this large gap yes. <laughs> was there i we had so many great announcements that it didn't feel like oh we were missing a triple a studio announcement it i didn't get that vibe xbox has had their own showcases in the past i'm sure they'll do it again ubisoft just had theirs where they announced like 10 million assassin's creed games <laughs> um <laughs> but I'm not sure there's anything more for them to share because that showcase happened in September and Xboxes was in June. And at that time, they're like, all these games will release in the next year. So we kind of already have an idea of when they will launch. We're just waiting for like a specific launch date. That doesn't need to happen at the Game Awards. That's a good point. And there's a there's a fine line and an art to the Game Awards reveal or, or how it fits into your marketing plan because... Uh, I mean, admittedly, like, we have not had viewership numbers yet, and maybe by the time this episode posts, we will, for what uh, viewership was like for 2022's Game Awards, mm-hmm. but it's been growing every year. In 2020, it was 83 million live stream viewers. It was 85 in 2021. Of course, these are estimates, give or take, but, like, regardless, that is demonstrably larger than any other award show is attracting these days. Um, and so there is, like, a question of, like, there's a lot of benefit and, and, and juice that can come from appearing at the Game Awards. It's just what should that be? And I think you're right that, like, in terms of what is in Microsoft's chamber, it's, you know, to use that analogy, like, we have, you know, the next gameplay of Starfield, maybe a release date, um, release date for Redfall. It's a lot of, like, games that are close to announcements, and and maybe they think, and, and probably rightfully so, that a lot of those games, especially Starfield, can own its own news day. Whereas, like... 
maybe for Sony, like, it's beneficial to announce uh, Burning Shores, the Horizon DLC here, and then, like, have a beat about what the content is in March or February. Um, it, yeah. It's an I think interesting... That, I think that was more about pushing sales for PSVR 2 than anything. Oh, yeah, Call of the Mountain showed up there, too. Yeah, for sure. At the end of the day, gamers' memories are short, uh, and... You know, if anything, like, Microsoft's fine. People are excited for these games. We'll be excited for whenever they see the next, uh, you know, beats from them. Uh, but yeah. I think, if anything, what this just goes to say is, is, like, the Game Awards have a pull to them. And, and there's, um, you don't need to participate, but, like, there's excitement around you being there. Um, so, I don't know. I think this just bodes for equally if not bigger like things at the 2023 game awards i don't think the quality of reveals are going to go going to dip from mm -hmm. here on out no especially since we are uh, not post pandemic but we are getting better at working from home or working hybrid or i'm sure some people are probably back in office full-time um i'm sorry to those people but i things are getting better so i think the video game pipeline is going to kind of figure itself out. I think it, a lot of things got delayed. So maybe the past couple of years, yeah, we haven't seen as many triple a or just like really great games, not really great games. What do I want to say? Just not as many games being released or being announced as we are probably going to start seeing as things kind of catch back up to where they were pre COVID. Yeah, we're entering, uh, this is something my brother pointed out on our podcast recently, like, that I didn't think, I forget about the cycle of game releases during new consoles, that the hottest and, and most, like, fervent period for really great releases is in the middle, uh, and we're and we're getting there. Like, mm -hmm. we're in the middle span of, like, PS5, Xbox One, so I think we're going to start seeing a lot of those, you know, kind of games start getting revealed and we're going to have the, you know, the launch or, you know, the campaign cycles for those. So there's going to be a lot to look forward to. Yeah. As once they stop making games for both platforms, it'll be better. Once you can just start building from the base up for current gen. Um, I still see some people saying next gen. I feel it's like <laughs> current gen at this point. They've been yes. out two years. Um, yeah. I think things will get better because I mean, we're already seeing, delays in last gen releases with I, it was hogwarts legacy that just recently announced yep. like they have to delay the last gen because focusing on the current gen which is what most studios should be doing yeah that's gonna be the trend it's not going anywhere i look probably god of war ragnarok was the last cross-gen playstation title like yeah that's gonna be the name of the game so closing out our game awards topic here uh I feel I'd be remiss if we did not talk about what is in the in the title, uh, the awards. Uh, Caitlin, how did you feel that this year handled the annual high wire balance of announcements versus awards? I thought it did a good job. I, for the most part, for for the big awards, yes. For a lot of the smaller ones, it was what twenty out of thirty four, thirty five awards were very like rapid fire. Um, yes, they were in the main show. But those people weren't allowed to, like, come on stage. Um, what I think the Oscars and other awards does well is have, like, that backstage setup for those who, can, who win awards can actually go hold their awards, talk to press, give a speech. 
that goes on the internet for people to, for anyone who's invested in those games and wants to actually celebrate the developers and creators of that those games, that gives them a platform. Um, the fact that a majority of those awards, they don't get that chance to go on stage, that is a downfall of the Game Awards. So my solution would be to do something similar to that just to kind of give them a platform even though it may not be the main stage because you can only do so much with the time that you're given and still be able to afford to put on the show um so yeah those are that's my two cents i think that's a great idea uh because yeah at the end of the day like as we talked about at the top like this can't be a four plus hour show uh, and you can't really sacrifice the number of announcements and trailers and the kind of the advertisements that fill in between because that is what funds such a, a lavish and grand production as it is. So I think that's a great idea for how to give these winners more of a voice. Um, and because, yeah, because at the end of the day, like Jeff knows, Jeff knows he's polling 80 plus million people viewing because of the announcements. And, and as much as I hate to say it, like, you know, the reason viewership is not that great on a traditional award show like the Oscars is because a lot of your average people aren't interested in tuning into speeches as much as I, an enthusiast, really, I am the, the rare case that does tune in because I do mm-hmm. want to hear those. So with that being said, for the Game Awards, I, I, one small thing is like, I liked, I liked the new stuff. Like, I like, best adaptation is fun. I like the acknowledgement of, you know, uh, how gaming has proliferated. There I got, I got the verb right this time um, uh, to other mediums. But, like, it was a little weird seeing that be one of the few on-air speeches when it's it's the Game Awards and we're recognizing not even a, a game. It's a, it's a game tangential thing. Um, I would have liked to see, I don't know, like, um, Best RPG. I know that would have been Elden Ring getting to speak again. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, trying to think of another category, we would have gotten a bit more developer um, exposure out there. That's very true. I don't know what I would pick. I need to pull up all the awards now. <laughs> It'd be cool, like, I mean, um, best, uh, I know we got, like, best score, and, like, uh, uh, Bear McCreary got up there. Like, it'd be cool, this, like, art design. Like, I think that's an, yeah. like, an obvious, like, get the art designer up there. I think that'd be a really cool kind of broad category to recognize, and that way you don't have to pick favorites on the genres. Um, like, that's one I would pick. I mean, Again, this is really nerdy, and this is stuff I know gets made fun of at the Oscars, like design versus or audio design versus mixing. But like, hell, let the sound designer best sound design. I, I think it was God of War Ragnarok. Like, I want to hear them talk about how they make the axe sound so satisfying when it snaps <laughs> into your hand. Um, but again, I'm I'm kind of a rare case here. That's definitely like a deep dive that yeah. should be done in conjunction to <laughs> in, the game with awards. your idea <laughs> with them speaking backstage. Yes. Or maybe they, like, actually, like, have some of those things that they make sound effects with. Have you ever watched those videos where they, oh, like, yes. use, like, two leaks to make a sound <laughs> of something, I don't know, something weird? With uh, the guy who put a bunch of silverware in a blender to make the sound of the Transformers in the Michael Bay movies. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love that stuff. <sighs> what well, an interesting job they have. It is a very interesting job. And uh, Jeff Keighley has a very interesting job hosting the Game Awards. Caitlin... Would you want to go back in person next year? Absolutely. Um, I am already planning to, whether we I go for work or not. Um, I don't know. It just, I, one, I live in LA now. So it's just like, it's easy to go when you're here. 
And two, I just, I'm very interested in the future of the award show, gaming events in general, and just the industry. It's, I like to celebrate those who are making these games and to be able to do that in person is, it's a good feeling. Yeah. And per that, I mean, like you said about the hybrid or work from home nature of largely a lot of people in the industry right now, there's not a whole lot of opportunities for all of us to get together. Uh, and so, you know, we, we don't need to get into that. That's a whole nother podcast, but like, it was very cool getting all of us together, getting to see a lot of people outside of just triple point itself at the game awards, whether, you know, I, I saw Phil Spencer and Sarah Bonds, like while I was waiting for the bathroom, I saw, mm -hmm. you know, Greg Miller and I got to meet blessing at a OEA after, uh, you know, the list can go on and on, but like, it's fun. All of us gathering, getting to dress nice, despite some people on Twitter saying otherwise. Uh, and so I'm with you. I would also like to go back next year. Well, fingers crossed. We will get to go again. Yes. Agreed. Caitlin, any closing thoughts on the game awards and, the real-time strategy in 2022 before we go on our holiday break? Um, I think I've said everything I need to say about the Game Awards, um, or else I'll just talk about Hades some more. Um, but <laughs> no, for the podcast, honestly, thank you for being such a great co-host. And to all those who have listened and have reached out and just like expressed their enjoyment for the podcast, I really thank you for listening and I hope you've learned something and enjoyed our conversations. Um, we hope to make this podcast even more exciting and bigger and better next year. Um, so during this brief break that we have, we'll be kind of focused on that and we'll be back next year, bigger and better than ever. Exactly. Caitlin, thank you. Uh, for co-piloting this grand adventure with me. This year has been very fun. We've had a lot of cool people on, and that will continue to be the case next year, and I'm looking forward to it. Great. Well, thanks, Sam. All right. Well, you can find this show everywhere, again, at Real-Time Strats on Twitter. Email us questions. Who would you like to see on the show next year? Let us know at podcast at triplepointpr.com. You can find me everywhere at Sam Scott Mosier, including on Letterboxd, where you can find my avatar, The Way of Water Review. I will promote that because I mentioned it earlier. <laughs> Caitlin, where can the people find you? They can find me at Caitlin Redwing on Twitter and Letterboxd. Um, you reminded me that I forgot to buy my ticket for Avatar and so now I have to try and find a seat. I will probably be in the first row. So, <laughs> Well, as, as James Cameron said, he's like, don't stress too much because you'll see it again. I know. Oh, that's a good idea. Maybe I won't see it in IMAX the first time and I'll see IMAX like next week. Yeah, that, I mean, just truly a grab bag of some of my most favorite press quotes to come out of a movie campaign <laughs> ever. The whole, you know, when should people go to the bathroom? James Cameron's answer, doesn't matter. They'll see it again when they see it the next time. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine is the Harry Styles quote from <laughs> the Don't Worry Darling press oh, tour. Yeah, like, that's You know, my favorite thing about the movie is it just feels like a movie. And when I saw the... Um, Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank. Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans. <laughs> that's a movie that, that feels like a movie. <laughs> my first thought at the end, I was like, that's a movie that feels like a movie. <laughs> all right. Well, on that note, folks, have a very great holiday break and we'll see you in the new year. Thank you all so much for listening. Thanks. Bye.